listening to episode 19, chapter 2 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lamberth. And I'm Josh Havens. We're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Scott Rodin. Scott Rodin has a passion for helping Christian ministry leaders take a biblical approach to leadership development, strategic planning, board development, and raising kingdom resources. Over the past 30 years, he has worked with hundreds of organizations in the U.S., Canada, Middle East, Great Britain, China, India, the Philippines, and Australia. Dr. Rodin is president of The Steward's Journey and Kingdom Life Publishing. He also runs Rodin Consulting, Inc. He is a senior fellow of the Association of Biblical Higher Education and is past board chair of China Source. He holds a Master of Theology and Doctorate of Philosophy degrees in Systematic Theology from the University of Aberdeen, Scotland. He has also authored 14 books and blogs weekly at thestewardsjourney.com. The lifestyle of a disciple can seem like it means doing a lot of the right things. But a big part of it, actually the main part, is learning to rest in your identity as a child of God. When you start your day resting in His presence and allowing your identity as a steward to guide you the rest of the day, you're well on your way to being a faithful steward. In this chapter, Scott opens up just how important it is for us to be stewards who rely completely on God's presence and direction in our lives, even in the midst of busy and chaotic schedules. This idea of stewardship has to start with our hearts, who we are as beings created in the image of God. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that role uh, of understanding how we are created and who we are created to be has to be our starting point before we start making all of the to-do lists and trying to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps to get this thing done? Get this thing done. Well, and first of all, you know, the words are so important in this whole process. And so we, as you know from the book, we even um, intentionally set aside any talk of stewardship. In fact, I'm not sure the word shows up in the 260-some page book um, because stewardship, by virtue of the fact that it's, it's got ship at the end, means what we do. You do stewardship. Uh, that's, that's a program. That's an activity. That's something that I practice, stewardship. And the book is not about that. It's not about what we do or what we practice or, or any or program. It's about being a faithful steward. So it's about who we are, not what we do. It's got to start with the who question, with who I am. And so exactly back, Chris, to what you were talking about, it, it goes back to who I was created to be in Christ. Um, and, you know, we, we go back to Genesis 1 and 2 now. We kind of jump to Genesis chapter 3 with the fall. But Genesis chapters 1 and 2, you know, we find out that God created us to be these one kingdom people in four areas of our life, right? Our, our four relationships. And by the way, the little precursor to that, a little theology here, is we all, you know, we all say that, we're, that we believe in the Trinity. And a lot of people don't know what to do with it. They don't want to talk much about it. They can't quite understand it. But they know it's like the important cornerstone of our theology is this idea of a trinity. Well, it's, it's hugely important for this study because the trinity says that God is in his very nature relational, right? Three persons, uh, one essence. And so you've got this, this relationship that defines the, the being of God. And it's in that identity that he creates another in his image. 
So we're created in this relational image. And then in, in Genesis 1 and 2, it flows out in these four areas. We we're created for a relationship with God. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the evening, and that, that had that incredible intimate relationship. They uh, had a, a relationship with themselves. And, you know, in the evangelical world that I grew up in, we didn't talk much about our identity or our self-image, because some of that was almost seen as being, oh, you don't talk about having good self-image, that's sinful, right? That's prideful. But God created us to understand who we are, to have peace with ourself, and who he created us to be, fearfully and wonderfully made, all the rest of that. Then third is our relationship with one another. Obviously, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the last one is to have a, a relationship with the created world around us. The very, the very first words that God ever utters to his creation is a command of vocation. He put Adam in the garden and said, tend it, nurture it, take care of it. You know, reflect my image in the way you relate to the created world that I've just created. And I think that goes on to our use of time, our use of resources, our use of talents, um, the whole the whole bit. So we have these four areas of relationship that really define the way God created us. And he, he you know, the abundant life that Jesus lays out for us, I think it's a life lived in in a sense of a, being a joyful steward, a free and joyful steward in all four of these spheres, and how I relate to God and how I understand my self-image and how I relate to my neighbor and how I take care of what is God's. So that's the picture, I think, where we start before we get to Genesis chapter three and decide that it'd be more fun if we could actually be the king ourselves. Yeah, no, I think this is so awesome. So uh, Daily Growth Discipleship, we have five steps that we believe that, uh, lead to creating a lifestyle of discipleship. Now, again, we're not anti-program, but we want to make discipleship not programmatic, but it's about following Christ. It's about our character change so that everything in our life can be focused around living the life that Jesus would live in, in, in our situation, being fill, filled with the Spirit and having Him work through us. So I've got to run through them real quick just because mm-hmm. there's so much similarity. Sure. So like, number one, know your identity. Because that, without knowing who you are as a beloved child of God, you know, discipleship just can't get off the ground. Following Christ doesn't go anywhere. Um, number two is practicing the basics. Those are just your spiritual disciplines. Those are the, you know, th- there are certain practices of, of making time with God. The other way I, we thought about saying this was just, uh, um, um, it's just learning to walk with Him. And so, mm-hmm. because number three is learning to walk with others, because we weren't mm-hmm. created uh, to be isolated or created for community. Yep. Number four is serving with purpose. It's because we were created for a purpose. We were created to work, and God has a vocational call on each and every one of our lives. And number five is making other disciples. And so as uh, part yep. of the Great yep. Commission. And so when I was going back through this book, and I was like, oh, man, I picked up a whole lot of themes here that, uh, <laughs> uh, that just sort of saturated my thinking and so I think led naturally into what yeah. we're doing here. So I thank you for that. Excellent. Yes, well, absolutely. Um, But it's such a struggle for me personally. Even going back and reading over this book, I feel convicted. I'm just like, uh, 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 because I get so focused on wanting to do things. In fact, I'm going to ask you a question that the irony is sort of built in here. Because my question is, how do we move away? How do we do this thing where we move away from (laughs) doing so that we can focus on being? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and it is, it's, it's a, you know, I, I have the opportunity to do quite a bit of executive coaching with both faith-based and, uh, I mean, both nonprofit and business leaders. Um, and this is a real, this is a real struggle because the world defines 
us as people and us as successful people based on the size of our second kingdom. And our second kingdom is built by doing. It's built by metrics, by growth, by getting bigger. We all know that all the adages of what it means to, to build that kingdom means that you have to be making more, spending more, going on better vacations, building bigger things, having a bigger portfolio, you know, sending your kids to better colleges. I mean, you think about some of the recent scandals that have happened, right? Talk about being a second kingdom person driven, uh, even to where the point where you take all your ethics and morals, anything you have that might have been ethical or moral in terms of your life, you just set them aside because of this, this desire to do and do and do. And even in the Christian world, this is endemic in church in pastors that um, that's get a sense that they're being measured by how, how big is your congregation? You know, how big are your facilities? Are you growing? Uh, how many programs do you have? How many staff do you have? What's the size of your budget? I mean, think of the, the things we lay on pastors that are, are measurements, quote unquote, of success. Things, by the way, which Jesus honestly didn't care about. But that's another issue. Um, and so this whole idea that, that success is doing, success is accomplishing, success is achieving, and there's nothing wrong with doing and achieving. The question is, what is driving us? And that's, a, again, a good coaching question that we ask a lot. What is driving you to work 60 hours a week and to sacrifice your health and to sacrifice your marriage and all the other things that happen because we want to do and do and accomplish and accomplish. And when we get to the basis of what is driving us, we usually find there's not much in there that is either God-directed or God-pleasing. I, I, would, I would challenge your listeners to say, if you are working yourself to death, if you are stressed out, if you are feeling overwhelmed by the pressures of life, I can almost guarantee that what is driving that is not coming from the Prince of Peace, from the Holy Spirit, who wants us to live the abundant life. Um, it's the Mary and Martha story. It's all kinds of things all over again. So we first have to just name it and say, I've got to understand what is driving me to do all of this. Um, and then the second thing, the thing about being that is so beautiful is being doesn't mean you don't do anything. But being is means you know what drives you. And so we're back to John 15, really, aren't we? We're abiding in the vine. And we're saying that if I believe for a minute, can you imagine this? If we believe just for a minute that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. I mean, we would just cleave to him, wouldn't we? You would almost be, almost be terrified, you know, to, to not be in Christ because all of a sudden I'm done. I'm just done. And yet for how many of us do we really believe that apart from Christ, I can't do as much maybe as I could do if I were in him, but I'll still do pretty well. Uh, and then we go out and we do our, our thing out there until we get in trouble. Then we come back, we pray, and we kind of get back. And then we go back our own way. I mean, we have these rhythms in life that just show that we don't really believe that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. That, that, the, my goal in the steward leader is to, is to help people start from this premise that if it really is all God's, then the most important thing in my life, and I can say this, this is my big categorical uh, statement I make across the whole book. The most important thing in my life is knowing the will of the owner and doing it obediently. And really, that's what it all comes down to. Well, if, I, if that's what drives me, if you get up in the morning and go, today, the most important thing I'm going to do today is I'm going to know what God wants me to do today with all of this stuff, including everything. And when I know it, I'm going to do it obediently. Well, if that's your mindset, you can't start with doing because now you're doing my thing. I'm doing it my way. You have to start with being in God's presence and saying, okay, Lord, 
it's Tuesday, uh, beautiful day. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to spend my time? How do you want me to invest? I mean, you already have plans. You have things to do. You know you have a busy schedule ahead of you. But when you start with a mindset of saying, Lord, is this, is this your plan for me? Show me, guide me, direct me. Help me not to miss anything today. And I'm just going to walk with you throughout the day because this is all your stuff. And I want to be a good steward. So help me do that. Um, and so that is that, that being in God's presence. And, and the thing, too, I would just say, uh, both Chris and Josh, is that we, we <laughs> I got to be a little careful. I just wrote a blog on this, and so it's really fresh on my mind. Um, many readers, they want to go take a look at it. But this idea of a quiet time where, you know, I got to have my hour in the morning, my half an hour in the morning to kind of be with God. One of the challenges, and I, I hear this again from leaders everywhere I coach, those that have been successful in doing it, they end up dividing out the sacred and secular in their life. And what happens is at the end of that quiet time, they have kind of given God that time. And then they go and do their life. And there's no integration of what, what they just did. Um, and the other people that try to do the quiet time and, and don't get it done, well, they just, they're guilty all the time. And they feel like lousy Christians because I can't do my quiet time. So you're either taking God and sticking him in a half an hour in the morning, and that's his only impact on your life, or you don't give him the half an hour, and then you're guilty all day. And, and both of those have this doing mentality that even our quiet time becomes a checkoff list of something we do. And my challenge to people is that if you have to, and I'm going to say this, I might get in trouble for this, and you guys might want to edit this out. But I, I would rather have somebody set aside their quiet time. And get up in the morning and say, Jesus, we're just going to walk together today, all day long. And I'm going to be asking you about things. I'm going to be getting your guidance on things when I need to. I'm going to stop for a second and pray. I'm going to thank and praise you when good things happen. But today, I just want to be guided by you throughout the day so that I can, I can be your steward. And that's a mindset of being, even in the midst of a lot of busy doing. Um, so I guess I would say more than anything else, we don't divide it out. And we don't say that from 6.30 to 6.45 is my being time, and from 6.45 until the time I go to bed is my doing time. If we do that, we've missed the whole point. Uh, our being in God's presence is every minute of every waking day as we do the things he calls us to do. You can't, you can't separate them out. It's a mindset. It's a heart set. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You actually beat me to my comment. Um, <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm liking the the label more and more a recovering legalist. I'm, I'm totally a recovering yeah. legalist. And one yeah. of the things that God's been working in my life the last couple of years, and, and really in Chris's life too, is this idea that we need to uh, stop trying to do so much. <laughs> and so I, I, was, I was in that camp that you were describing for, for quite a while. I would get guilty about not doing the stuff very well. And so my solution was uh, try to build better habits, try to do things better, just by the, my own sheer willpower and determination. And uh, through another coaching conversation that I was having with one of my uh, coaches, I came to realize that God was also trying to get me to just stop. And so uh, I think it's uh, Dallas Willard, or is it Willard or Foster, who emphasizes the solitude? It's Foster. Yeah, I think it's Foster. Um, talked about how sometimes the, the solitude and the silence really is just about not doing a single thing and realizing that even sometimes the, uh, the disciplines that we engage in, reading the Bible, prayer, actually talking to God, even those things can become an attempt to 
do something just for the sake of doing something. And the idea that somehow just doing that will either earn us merit or make us a better person. Really, it's about the doing. And so God's really been teaching me the last few years that silence is, can be very, very valuable for kind of undoing that identity crisis that, that we tend to have when we're legalistic about things. So if I have to sit in my, my chair and literally not talk to God, not, not say things, but literally just sit and be in the moment and recognize that in that moment, me doing nothing is a sign, is a way of surrendering my own will, my own will, my desire to do something to the God who created me and allowing my being just to be in his presence. And that's a, that's a really freeing, that's been a really freeing practice for me over the last couple of years. Amen. 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 But think about how odd that sounds in the, in the ears of somebody who's driven to produce. Because you're just wasting time, Josh. Yeah, well, it sounded weird to time. me at first. <laughs> yeah. Well, and how could you <laughs> even? I could also hear like, how could you be a good steward if you're not doing anything? Right. Aren't stewards exactly. the ones that are doing the most? Yeah. Yeah. And and yep. it's why and I like like you 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 said it earlier like you have that diff you have that a uh, distinction between freedom and ownership, and really where we go awry with with stewardship and I mean it seems natural to think like okay well if I've given you this money. We'll go. We'll just use that because it's the easy one. Um, and you've got to steward it, right? Well, I've got to invest it. I've got to be doing something with it all of the time. But that is almost that. That's trying to take the ownership of that into our hands, rather than recognizing that it's it's ultimately God's. He's the one that has to put it to work and and produce fruit. Nothing we can do actually produces anything. As followers of Christ, we often feel like we should always be doing something. There are spiritual disciplines to practice, there are people who need to hear the gospel, and we have a thousand other responsibilities in the day that we must put forth our best effort so that we can honor God in all we do. But the call to follow Jesus doesn't start with doing. It starts with becoming the person he has called us to be. We must learn to be stewards, resting in God's presence so that his desires become our desires. Only then will our actions as stewards take on the qualities of God as the true owner. So today, rest in the freedom that comes from knowing that you are not the owner. The results do not depend on how well you perform. They depend on how well you steward the presence of God in your life. So be still. Surrender your desire to produce results. And let God produce the fruit you desire to see. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship, and the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Scott Rodin and his work, check out thestewardsjourney.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation where Scott describes the difference between owner leaders and steward leaders. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.